You're listening to Society Chats, the podcast of First United Methodist Church in Plano, Texas. We have this vision statement connecting God and grace to self and community. I hope in 10 years we are fully living into that statement in a multitude of creative ways where the laity of the church is really driving things and the pastors are there just going as cheerleaders going, yes. Thanks for listening. We're on Society Chats. We're talking with our lay leader, Tim Hobson, today. And hello, Tim. Thanks for spending the time with us. Hi, Mike. I'm glad to be here. So we're starting with the same question I've asked everybody so far, which is, are you from Texas? If you're not from Texas, how'd you get to Texas? Or if you are from Texas, where'd you grow up? Texans are funny like that. We love to know these things. So t- yes. tell us about where you're from. Yes, I am from Texas. I claim that proudly. <laughs> um, my parents weren't. Obviously, they moved down here um, early in their marriage. But I was born here. My sister was too. Raised here in the Plano area. Went to Plano East High School. So um, you were born here in Plano? Born in Dallas, but grew up in Plano. Gotcha. Yeah. Met my wife there. At Plano East, so we're kind of like high school sweethearts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, started dating our senior year in high school. Uh, so, yeah, we've been in this area pretty much our whole, my, at least my whole life. It's kind now, of the Dallas, the Dallas area. Uh, your wife, Jennifer, mm-hmm. she's from here too then? So originally she's from Oklahoma. But okay. I think, you know, she spent more than half her life here, so she can sure. claim Texas now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rule, right? That's the rule, right? <laughs> She has to do the old, uh, uh, I'm not from here, but I got here as, as fast, fast as, as I, I could. could. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then you guys have three kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, talk a little bit about your uh, your kids. Yeah, so we have three boys. Um, Michael, our oldest, he's in college right now. Uh, he's a sophomore out at A&M Commerce, hmm. working on his degree in kinesiology. And then our middle son, Matthew, uh, is a senior in high school. He'll graduate this spring. Okay. Not sure what he's going to do yet, where he's going to end up. We'll see. Uh, and then our youngest, Zachary, is a freshman in high school at, in Allen, um, playing on the freshman baseball team. And that kid is, has more on his plate than he knows what to do with. So <laughs> he keeps us plenty busy. Yeah, you guys are a baseball family. Very much so, yeah. yeah. All, three, all three of our kids played baseball, um, you know, up to high levels. Yeah. Com- competitive club ball and all that fun stuff. And you got two still playing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Did you play? Funny thing is, is I did not play baseball growing up. I played soccer growing up, but I love the sport of baseball. In fact, um, early in Matthew's baseball career, if you want to call it that, um, I coached him for a number of years uh, in baseball and and just picked up the game and picked up the love for the game and... um, my wife and, and my father-in-law, they're huge baseball fans, so I mm. just kind of picked up on that, and I'm a huge fan of baseball myself. So Okay. Texas Rangers, I assume? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sometimes painfully so, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have to root for the home team. Uh, so uh, talk a little bit about um, what you do uh, uh, as your day job, like w- w- during the week. Like, what's your career? Yeah. So uh, I work for a semiconductor company. Uh, it, that's based out of Austria. Um, that's where the headquarters is. Wow. And uh, we basically make sensors. Um, optical sensors is the business unit that I'm involved in. And what I do for that business unit is uh, controlling. 
which is kind of like uh, think of accounting, finance, but more just on the the business side where you're looking at budgets and forecasts and uh, you know what are the risks and how can we you know improve our profitability and those sorts of things. So okay. it's kind of a more broad. Uh, so is your background in accounting and finance mm-hmm. then? Yeah, so my background actually is in accounting. In fact, that's where I got my start uh, okay. career-wise with with, with uh, Sears. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work, worked there for about 10 years before I um, jumped ship, let's say, and got into semiconductors. Totally different worlds. Yeah. <laughs> Retail yeah. versus semiconductor. Yes, uh, definitely. Two completely different things. If anybody's listening that's under 30... Sears was a store that we used to have. I know, right? (laughs) It used to be in all the malls. Malls are places where they used to have a bunch of stores together. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how the world has changed? Yes. Uh, So just this is me out of curiosity. Uh, What exactly is an optical sensor? That's what you guys do. I mean, I know you're not in the tech Mm -hmm. side per se, but I would imagine you've learned a lot about it working for the company. So what is an optical sensor? I have. um, So basically, it's it's a sensor that basically takes any light source, if you will. Uh, It can be an outside light source or it can be its own, uh, let's say, self-generated light source. You know, sometimes we have like uh, LEDs or things like that that we mm. pair with the sensor. Um, and you use that light and you detect it in certain ways and you can do different things with that then. Um, like for example, you can adjust the brightness of your computer screen or, or, your, or your phone screen, oh. things like that. Um, okay. Again, you can get a little creative what you do with it. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do. Okay. So like in my car, mm-hmm. uh, my my wife, Heather, calls my car bougie because it's got all the little, you know, bells and whistles and the heads mm-hmm. up display and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, uh, and I know a lot of cars have this now is that they have the sensor and your lights just turn on automatically when it gets dark outside. Mm-hmm. So I assume that's kind of what you guys that do. That would be like an optical sensor. Yeah. Okay. So it's detecting what is the ambient light coming in from the outside and you know, is it dark outside? Is it light outside or is it cloudy? And it's detecting the difference in the, the amount of light it's receiving. And then it's saying, okay, time to turn the headlights on. Wow. That's cool, man. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Do you find any connecting points between uh, how you uh, how you manage yourself at work or how you deal with your work situations and uh, church. You know, that's that's a connection a lot of times people don't make. They look at church as its sort of separate thing and then work as its own thing. But really there's an overlap there, I think. So mm-hmm. what, what does that kind of look like for you? I think for me it's kind of two things. Mm-hmm. One, obviously being a finance accounting type person on that side of the business, obviously your integrity is hugely important. Mm. Um, you're dealing a lot of times with numbers and figures and in that sense, you become kind of the source of truth, mm. um, you know, for what's going on in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people can have all sorts of thoughts and ideas, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the numbers in business, right? Yeah. So in that sense, you become by default kind of the, the one source of truth then that Everybody has to have, you know, kind of their arms around and understand. Mm. Um, so to me, there's a little bit of a tie in there. Yeah. Um, just from, let's say, my own faith, you know, I have to have integrity in my own faith that I'm living, uh, you know, to the standards that I, you know, would hold myself to in a similar manner than, you know, am I re- representing my faith and my beliefs um, to the world in that sense. Right. right. And then in the other sense, too, is just being 
also in business having, you know, just a view of how can I listen? How can I help the business become better? Hmm. And in that sense, that kind of ties into the lay leader role too, where it's like you do a lot of listening Hmm. um, to what people have to say, what they think. And you're always kind of looking to see, okay, what's kind of the pulse of the congregation? What's going on in the community? Right. Um, you know, just always being aware of that because then let's say, and I'm probably going to spring forward to your next question. Then yeah, like, let's segue in. Talk, let's talk about that. <laughs> go ahead. You, that was an awesome segue. So go ahead and talk to us about what, what is it that you do as the lay leader and what does that role in, involve? Yeah. So in my role as the lay leader, it's, it's representing the congregation as a whole, the laity of the church. Um, representing them in all the council meetings from church council to finance committee to SPRC, um, all those things, having, you know, conversations with the lead pastor, you know, bringing issues to his or her attention, you know, if there's things going on, uh, you know, let's say that outside those committee meetings, but it's really being an ear for the laity of the church, a voice for the laity of the church. Um, That way there's always this, balance, if you will, um, between laity and, and pastors. Okay. Yeah. So is that something that, um, you just get asked to do? Is it an appointed Mm -hmm. thing or how does that work? Yeah. So, uh, for, uh, here at First Church Plano. So what happens is we have a nominations committee and the lay leader position is also goes through the nominations committee. Mm. So that nominations committee every year, will nominate persons uh, to fill all of the open leadership roles, Mm -hmm. lay leader being one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we do it on an itinerant system. So it's every three years, typically. Um, And I think I've got this year is my last year as lay leader at this point. Um, So at the end of this year, I'll be working with the nominations committee and with Matt to say, okay, who would we nominate and put forth as then the next lay leader? And then that goes from that committee to the larger uh, church uh, council for then let's say final approval they have to vote those in okay mm-hmm. there's a lot of change happening in the world right now a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of movement um, caused by a lot of different things uh, covid the war in ukraine you know um, economic shifts and it's there's a lot of things happening right now and so as the lay leader, somebody who kind of has your finger on the pulse of this church and that this is kind of what you think about as your connecting point to the church as the lay leader, uh, what's in your mind for the future here? Like, what are you, where are you hoping to see us go? And uh, how, how do you think we can get there? Mm-hmm. I hope that in 10 years, um, we have this vision statement, connecting God and grace to self and community. Mm-hmm. I hope in 10 years we are fully living into that statement um, in a multitude of creative ways, you know, where the laity of the church is really driving things Hmm. and the pastors are there just going as cheerleaders going, yes, you know, Um, I think it's hugely important that the laity of the church gets involved, um, that they live into their calling. Hmm. You know, each of us, whether we want to accept it or not, has a calling in our faith. And, and for some of us, you know, it's, it's teaching Sunday school class. For some, it's going on mission trips or doing local missions. Yeah. For, for some, it's, you know, singing in the choir, whatever that calling may be, right? You, you'll know it when you know it because it kind of sings to your heart. Mm. You know, you're just like, yeah, I, you feel it, right? 
kind of at your core. Um, but I think in that sense, when we're all doing what we're called to do and we're all pulling in common directions um, and really connecting with each other and connecting with our community, then I think we will be fully living into that vision statement. And I think that's where I would like to see us as a church get to in the next 10 years. So what do you think, how do we get there? What are some thoughts mm -hmm. in your mind or things that you'd like to see implemented here kind of in the last year of your term, so mm -hmm. to speak, mm -hmm. uh, or things maybe that you're working towards and on mm -hmm. that will help us to take those steps forward? Yeah. So kind of in the background, I've been working with uh, Pastor Matt and also with, um, we're actually call ourselves the C3 team. I've talked about this a few times, um, even in my sermon on Sunday. Right. Um, it's the Courageous Congregations Collaboration. I have to slow myself <laughs> down when I say it because otherwise it's just such a mouthful. It to is say. indeed. You can see why we just say C3. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things we've learned from this, and this is something that uh, is a program through the Texas Methodist Foundation, um, kind of a training ground, if you will, basically asking the question, how does your congregation get ready for God's now? And so it's kind of asking that question, but then it's also looking at, it's okay, what's kind of the framework that we need to put around answering that question? So mm -hmm. it talked about like these five different muscles, if you will. Grieving well was one of them, Connect, uh, walking alongside others, um, uh, discerning purpose, uh, those sorts of things. And so in, in thinking about that and, and, and talking about that and also having some informal conversations with a few of our uh, congregants and, and lay persons, you know, we really feel like um, there's probably a lot that, like you said, there's a lot of change in the world mm. from the war in Ukraine, from COVID, even internally with the church, just there's been staff turnover. Mm. I mean, when you think back over the last 10 years, and it's just it's been a lot of change and a lot of disruptions that have just caused a lot of anxiety and fear. And so what we're hoping to do is to intentionally move us from a place of focusing on what were all the problems and just kind of rehashing that and recycling all those problems uh, in our conversations to, okay, well, how do we move from that to a place of, well, what does the future look like? And how do we get into the, you know, how do we move towards the future? Yeah. so to speak? How do we reorient ourselves um, to where we want to go? Uh, and that's where I, you know, I'm hopeful that we, in 10 years, like I said, we will be living into our fullest uh, ideals of the vision statement, right? Right. Um, and in that sense, we're all going to have to have some hard conversations, I think. Mm -hmm. But I think they're good conversations about like, you know, okay, we had this idea 20 years ago when we moved from 18th Street to where we are now off Spring Creek and Parker, that we were going to be going gangbusters, that there was going to be all these people coming to our church, that the east side of East Plano was going to be growing like crazy. Um, you know, the sky was the limit. Well, I think, like you said, the world has changed so much, even in such a short period of time that, yeah. well, that just didn't happen for us. And so it's, okay, let's process that. You know, let's celebrate the good that came out of it because there's always good that comes out of these things. Sure. But then, you know, maybe we need to, you know, uh, process some grief about things that maybe didn't come, you know, come to full fruition or things that have changed and just 
allow people to grieve that, but then move on, right? Where, right. you know, it's like, okay, what's the next step in the conversation? How do we get, how do we move past that to where it's like, okay, what's the next step? What's the next thing we need to be doing, mm. right? How, how do we connect with our community? Mm. You know, what is that? What does that look like? Who needs to be involved with that? What are we feeling? What are we hearing as far as ways we can connect? Um, and a lot of, you know, this all centers around relationship, right? Sure. So it's not only relationship internally, but it's relationship externally. And how do we develop that relationship? And I think it's going to take some real intentional thought and some real intentional um, concrete actions that we can do and we can implement to get there. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful and I'm very confident that we have what it takes to get there. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that uh, that's where we are and that you guys are doing good work trying to set us up to move forward into whatever the future is, is going to be that, mm -hmm. you know, none of us really know <laughs> with the rapid changes that are happening. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, so you've preached uh, a few times, uh, mm -hmm. most recently for... Uh, for those who are listening, uh, we we were recording this here uh, just a few days after Tim preached the last time, which was in late March. Um, and so uh, talk a little bit about that process for you. Sort of funny story. So a couple of years ago, actually, because this past Sunday wasn't my first sermon that right. I preached here. Um, a couple of years ago, um, actually before that, even let me back up. So my wife and I have been directing, co-directing um, children's camp out at Bridgeport, which is the summer camp, uh, summer church camp, if you will. Okay. Um, that we've done for, gosh, probably the last 10 years mm -hmm. or so. Um, obviously, I kind of, we, we both went from being counselors to directors and in that sense. And um, the first, first year I was directing camp, we were, you're always looking to fill, um, let's say, sermon time because mm. there's five sermons that typically happen during the week, one each day. And they're typically pretty short because you got it, you know, for children's camp, it's third through fifth graders. So the right. attention spans pretty, you got to get your point across pretty quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're going to lose yeah. them if you know what yeah. I mean. We're going to pretend that adults are better than that. But yeah, <laughs> we can unpack that later. <laughs> um, so I actually preached my first sermon there at camp. Um, and it was, it was fairly easy because obviously when you're preaching to children, I think it's a little bit different audience. You know, the, sure. the message is a little bit more, let's say with the kid gloves on, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you have to make it more understandable, easier to hear, mm -hmm. um, you know, in that sense. And when I did that, um, I, I went, Matt had just recently joined our church as lead pastor. And because I had never done this before, obviously I went to Pastor Matt, and I said, hey, Matt, you know, I've never done this before. Any insights you can give me, um, you know? So he, we kind of went back and forth and got some input from him, and I, I was like, okay, well, would you mind if, you know, if I write my sermon and if I share it with you just to mm. see, you know, does this kind of fit the standard, right? Yeah. You know, because, you know, being a layperson, not having ever done this, you're like, okay, I want to make sure I'm on, you know, <laughs> solid ground here and right. not going way off in left field. Um, especially to something as important as, you know, a children's camp where it's like, I mean, you're literally planting seeds right? and, you know, in their hearts and their minds. So you want to make sure that you're on solid footing. 
So that was helpful um, in that sense. And I did it a couple more times at children's camp. Um, you know, in a sense, that was easier. But then, okay, now spring forward to a, a couple of years ago, Matt walks up to me one Sunday, and I remember exactly where I was sitting. <laughs> he walks up to me, he goes, hey, I want to put a bug in your... And I'm like, oh boy. And I think this was my first year as lay leader. Um, he says, Father's Day you preaching all three services. And of course, I'm just like, uh, you know, that sudden shock of fear just kind of overcomes you. All right. But then there was this yes that just said, yes, I'll do it. Don't ask me why I said yes, because <laughs> I, I am, I very much consider myself an introvert. Um, and like you said, public speaking is like fear number one right. and death is number two. Yes, I'm right there. Totally resonate with that statement. <laughs> Um, and the funny thing is then, so I'm, I'm working in the background, you know, and this was, I want to say this was March when he asked. Hmm. So I had like three months to prepare, which I was very appreciative of because yeah. I was like, <laughs> you know, the, the fear factor just jumped up a notch because right. now this is like preaching at home in front of your own family, sure, right? In front yeah. of your own congregation. So it's like these people really know you. Right. You know, <clears throat> so it's like the expectation level in my mind just went way higher. Um, so I, I was thankful for the the, the three months to prepare because I took literally all three months to prepare. Mm. Um, and I did a, a meditation on on like how big is God? And of course, again, I kind of went back to Matt and said, "Hey, Matt, would you just you know read my sermon? Just sure. see am I on solid ground here?" So it's always good to get in input in that sense, but. Um, then this last one was um, preaching on disorder, which is kind of our, our part of our sermon series, right. um, navigating change and grief. And what was funny about it, and I was bantering back and forth a bit with Matt on this, was it's like, this is kind of funny because I'm an Enneagram 9, mm. so I very much crave order mm. in my world. <laughs> yeah, And to sit here and preach on the exact opposite was like, okay, this is kind of funny. <laughs> I think this is a little bit of God's humor coming right, here, yeah. um, <clears throat> in that sense. But to describe the process, at least for me, from a layperson's perspective of preparing a sermon is, you know, you try to pick out scripture that you want to preach on, and then mm. you try to say, okay, what is the scripture saying to me? Mm. And what's the message I want to convey? Mm -hmm. And you start there, and then you're like, okay, what, you know, what, what's speaking to me right now? And you're just, you're doing a lot of just, let's say, praying and listening yeah, and discerning of what you think the message should be. And you're doing it literally throughout the whole time from the time you start literally, I'm not kidding. And Matt will probably tell you the same. And I think you've preached. So you probably can also attest to this, Micah, <laughs> that literally until you get up there and until you speak the words, the sermon is not done. Yes, that's true. You are continuously making tweaks and edits and yes. you know changes here and there. And even then, when you preach it, not only the first time, but the second time, things can happen between services that you're like, <laughs> I'm going to put that in there now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's never really finished, in a sense. Um, but you're always mindful um, you know, of the importance of the task, mm. because this is, you know, this is a matter of faith. This mm. is a matter of sharing your faith and sharing God's story 
with the world, right? Mm. And and the reason I say with the world because now we're in this uh, age of having, let's say, not only an in-person congregation but a global congregation congregation in the sense that it's open to the world because we right. post our sermons out there for everyone to see. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's always, I always have to be mindful that it, like, this is really important, mm-hmm. you know? And so I always start off my sermons with, um, you know, a, a little excerpt from, I think it's Psalm 19. It's like, may the meditations of my mouth and the words of my heart be pleasing to you, God, you know, mm-hmm. just a reminder that this is really important mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. take it seriously. So as we move forward, we move out of the pandemic, we move into this whatever new normal or whatever we're calling it. Um, what do you see as, as the pieces of the puzzle that are our like direct next steps? So, you know, we talked a little bit, you talked a little bit about like down the road. Mm-hmm. What are some immediate things that you're seeing that, that we need to take steps on from your viewpoint? I think we need to get people connected. Mm. We need to get them plugged in in meaningful ways. Um, in back into just different areas of the church, whether it be back in the Sunday school classes or small groups, um, choir, youth activities, children's activities, whatever it may be, just get people plugged back in. Because I think what we saw is that so many people, because of COVID, they took this opportunity as like, oh, well, you know, church shut down. Now I'm out of the habit of going to church. Or, you know, maybe I kind of do online church, but it's not the same. Mm. So I think we really need to be find ways to get people plugged back in um, mm-hmm. where they feel like they're a part of the body of the church again, mm-hmm. where they're connected with the church again. Uh, and when I say that, like fully connected, right? Mm-hmm. Not just kind of like, okay, well, I'm here just for, you know, um, worship. I think it goes beyond worship at that point, right? Where it's, I feel like I'm contributing mm-hmm. um, to the church in meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. Before we move into some kind of lighthearted, I guess, questions, uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to share? Something that maybe that we didn't talk about that you'd like to share with the folks who are listening? You know, I just hope that um, for those who hear this, that, um, you know, First Church Plano is a great place. My, my wife and I, we joined because it felt like home. Mm-hmm. It still feels like home. Um, so if you're looking for a church home, come join us. Um, you know, get plugged in. Um, we have a lot to offer. There's a lot of great people here. Yeah. Come get to know them. All right. So let's talk through some of my little fun questions that I think are interesting to, uh, hear what people have to say. And uh, I think it kind of says something about, uh, the person helps you get to know somebody a little bit. So the uh, first question is, do you have books that you like to read? Maybe three books that you'd recommend, to the listeners or maybe favorite books of yours? Uh. <clears throat> um, so in the last six months, I've probably read 10 or so books. Mm. Um, more so just for my own personal studies than anything else. Sure. Um, so a lot of them have been faith-based studies, mm-hmm. let's say. Um, but I can definitely say out of that, I would recommend um, Paul Young's The Shack. Mm. Yeah. Um, whether you are... I mean, obviously it's fiction, but I think it speaks volumes about what we go through in life Mm. and how we relate to God. Mm. Um, And in that sense, it'll challenge you. And some of, (laughs) I'd say, the inherent assumptions we make about God. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Uh, It's a great read. 
great read. Um, uh, also, uh, was it Mindful Christianity? C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis, thank mere you. Mere Christianity. Yeah, Mere Christianity, thank you. Another great read. Yeah. Um, if you want to, you know, just take a look at, you know, I think really what does it mean to believe? Hmm. That's a you know great book to answer that question. Hmm. Um, and then I, I think I've, I say this all the time, but it's like, read the Bible. <laughs> really, read the Bible. Um, it's so important, you know. Um, you know, from as best you can from cover to cover, you know, or, mm. or get involved in a Bible study that you're reading at least parts of the Bible. But mm. really, um, I would encourage anyone you know, you hear all these people like, okay, this year I have this goal to read the Bible cover to cover. Yeah. If that's your goal, seriously do it. Um, you know, there's certain parts I would say, you know, you can, like I say, you can do without, but you can skim through pretty quickly. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, like, okay, like numbers, right? When you right. get into all the census of data and stuff like that, it's like, right, okay, yeah. It's neither here nor there, but you know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Some of those are a little laborious to get through, let's say. Yes, they are. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> the so-and-so begat so-and-so so and, yeah, and all exactly. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good to know, but it, yeah. So let's pivot away from books towards movies. One of my favorite things, movies, films. Uh, if you want to throw in a TV show, you can. That's mm -hmm. cool. But uh, maybe three favorite movies. And, and, and what is it about <laughs> those movies that speaks to you that makes, that makes them the ones that... Um, I'll watch that again. You will quickly notice a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the rookie, um, uh -huh. greatest league, uh, or league of their own. Yeah. And 42. You know, I haven't seen 42 yet. I've heard good things. I need to watch that. That's Chadwick Boseman. I think that, uh, mm -hmm. that just passed. Yeah. That plays, uh, it's Jackie the story Robinson. Of Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. And League of Their Own is just a class. There's uh, no I mean, crying in baseball. <laughs> so our from the onset, right, you you know our family's a baseball family. Right. So like any baseball movie automatically goes to the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you name it. it. We've watched them all. And, and League of Their Own often is quoted in our household. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a great film, though. It, it really is. is a great, great film. Uh, so, yeah, not surprised with your baseball thing. No, no, nobody's surprised by the baseball team. Uh, but good movies. Um, so this is me being a little indulgent as a musician, I guess. But uh, you're in the choir. Mm -hmm. And so I know that you are you like music too, obviously. So what are three songs that uh, you love uh, that, that are important to you? Or, or that you think, you know, if you've never heard this song, kind of like the movies. If you've never seen The Rookie, if you've never seen League of Their Own, you've never seen 42, go watch them. Great movies. So... What about some songs that have been the same, or maybe something that's spoken to you over the years, songs that are important to you? And they don't have to be Christian songs necessarily, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of whatever mm -hmm. you've had in your experience. Oh, man, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's so hard. <laughs> um, I kind of consider myself pretty eclectic when it comes to music. Mm. Uh, I really enjoy all kinds and styles of music. Mm. Um, so it's really hard to pick like one or two or three even favorites um, in that sense. Uh, I, I, I just, I love music, right? Yeah. It just speaks to my soul in so many different ways. I think, you know, you and I have had conversations about, you know, music says things that words can't. Yeah. And so sometimes even listening to, uh, you know, classical orchestral music where there are no words, right? Yeah. 
it still evokes a sense of emotion and feeling, um, but without words. Right. Uh, and when you can do that with music, I mean, that, that's something really special mm. uh, in that sense. So, oof, yeah, I can't sit here and list, you know, a top three because <laughs> just, just, the list is too long. <laughs> do you have any uh, favorite artists that are, uh, you know, one of those, I'm on a desert island, I'm going to take, uh, you know, a couple of, well, we don't have records anymore, <laughs> CDs, do we? It's so unfair. You know, when we were, did you ever do that when you were younger and oh, you yeah. did the whole, if you were on a desert island, what would you take? Uh-huh. And now it could be just like, I take my iPad <laughs> and it's got a hundred thousand songs on, on it. it. Right. <laughs> so yes. it's not fair anymore. Right. <laughs> But I mean, do you have any, uh, and you may not, it's cool if you don't, but uh, some people, you know, it's kind of like, oh, the Beatles, got to have the Beatles, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I, th- I think it depends kind of what uh, style, what genre we're talking about. Yeah, like yeah. if it's country, it's probably bad Brad Paisley. Okay. Um, classical, oh, too many to name. I have a lot of favorite composers. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so kind of back to the Bible for a minute here before mm-hmm. we close is, uh, is there a Bible verse or verses maybe that are important to you? Sometimes people call them like a life verse or, you mm-hmm. know, um, things like that. I was looking around to see if I had mine hanging on the wall in here. I think it's at home <laughs> in my, in my office. It is. Uh, but anyway, uh, do you have a, a Bible verse that speaks to you that, that you've, found yourself coming back to over and over again over the years? No, not, I can't really say that I, I have one specific like life verse. Sure. Per se. Um, really when I, when I read the Bible, when I do my daily devotions and when I'm doing scripture, it's, you know, there's times when I read scripture and it's like, yeah, I'm really resonating with that. That's just, you know, speaking to me in a certain way. But then there's also times, you know, when you're reading scripture and it's just like, man, I'm really wrestling with this Mm. and I'm really struggling with this, Mm. you know? So in that sense, it's also, it speaks to me both ways in that sense. And, and, and for me, I kind of take it in the whole, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. What's the, what's the whole message from cover to cover? Mm -hmm. Um, And how does that, what does that mean for me and my relationship with God? in that sense. And so for me, it's kind of all of scripture is important in that sense. Yeah. I think that's an important point you made too, that, uh, you know, the Bible is something that it's okay for us to wrestle with, that it's okay for us to struggle with. It's okay for us to feel, uh, you know, that, that we don't, we're not getting what it is that it's trying to say to us in the moment, just as surely as there are times when the words just leap right off the page and hit you right in the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think has happened to to most people that you know are people of faith. So, uh, yeah, that's a that is a good point. Um, so we've got people listening. They say this Tim Hobson guy. I know I've seen him at church. Uh, what's a good way for uh, people to to connect with you? Because uh, you guys are here every week, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you've been up in front of the church now a few times, and so uh, people should kind of recognize your face and know who you are. Um, but uh, so let, let's start with, for everybody who knows who you are and they go, sure, I know Tim Hobson. Uh, what's the best way, the easiest way for them to connect with you? And then we'll jump from that to, what about somebody new that's coming in? Maybe a new member, somebody who's visiting and they go, well, I wasn't here when he preached. I don't know who this Tim Hobson guy is. How, how could they connect with you as the lay leader so that they could talk, talk to you about uh, 
whatever it is they want to talk to you about. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, for people who know me, um, they probably have already my email or my phone number, or <laughs> sure. they know what I look like, so they just walk up to me. Um, any of those is probably just as good as any of the other. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, depending on what the conversation is, some some conversations are better had in person or over the phone versus right. just you know trading emails back and forth because sometimes things just get lost in translation and it's mm. there's a little more between the reading between the lines that has to happen let's say um that can only be done verbally um mm. versus just written form um so i'd say yeah any of those forms of contact you know is a good way to get a hold of me um for those who maybe don't know me um i would invite you you know if you're curious and want to have a conversation you know call me on my cell phone uh, my number is 6842. I have no problems giving my cell phone number out, um, especially if they want to have a conversation about God or what, you know, what's life like in the church or, or whatever. Um, I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to call me. Wow. That's great. You just gave your number out on the internet. I did. (laughs) (laughs) He's serious guys. He's serious. He, He wants to talk to you. So that's great that uh, lots of ways that you can connect with uh, Tim and uh, he's here every week and you guys can catch him in the gathering area, usually between services before services. Uh, So just make sure and connect. If you have a question, you have something you want to talk to him about, he's available and willing to share his number on the internet, guys, that should tell you all you need to know. He's ready for you to talk to him. So uh, Tim, we appreciate the job that you're doing here and the work you're doing, the time that you spend, because this is not a paid position. This is volunteer, what you're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it takes a lot more time, I think, than people realize um, for, for you to be putting in all these hours, uh, helping to grow and connect with the people here in the church. So we appreciate that. And I uh, appreciate you being here today and taking some time to sit and visit with me. And for people to get to know more about you. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you, Micah, for having me here. And like I said, just reach out to me if you, you ever want to chat or have questions. Great. That sounds great. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for being here. All right. Thanks, Micah. Absolutely.